You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in our rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Well, we've actually seen some landfly activity previously back in 2020, 2021 time. So then when we saw this more recent activity, we were able to kind of combine, I suppose, both those sets of research to produce this blog because this more recent activity, I suppose, gave us a bit more insight into how Landfly operates. That's Bridget O'Gorman. She's a senior intelligence analyst at Symantec. The research we're discussing today is titled Landfly, Group uses custom backdoor to target orgs in government, aviation, and other sectors. It just seems to be a group that's been around for a few years. The indications are that Murdor has been around since about 2018. And as I said, we did see it used back in 2020 and 2021, and it's still being used now in this activity, which continued into the first, the first kind of part of this year. Well, before we dig into the specifics of Murdor, um, what can you tell us about Lancefly themselves? What, what do we know about them? Yeah, so as I said, they've been around for a few years by the looks of things. They're an advanced persistent threat group. And we do think they may have, it's possible they have some links to some groups we would know, some previously known groups like well-known names like APT41, uh, our Budworm, which is also APT27, um, as well as hidden links. And we do kind of discuss some of those potential links in the blog. But all those links were a bit loose, a little bit low confidence. So that led us to kind of break out this activity um, under this new group name. Um, and the, it seems pretty clear that this group is driven by, you know, intelligence gathering. That's their motivation. You know, as you said, its targets have primarily been in the government communications technology sectors um, as well as aviation, which is kind of an interesting target as well. Um, and they do seem to be very focused on um, South and Southeast Asia. That's primarily where their targets have been located. And obviously they're an interesting group then as well because they do have this custom malware, um, custom backdoor murder, which we've seen them using. And they've also... And they're also using the ZX Shell Rootkit, which is a publicly available tool. The source code for it is publicly available, but it does seem that they have um, developed that tool to kind of give it some additional functionality and stuff as well. So they are able to 
you know, work on their own malware as well. Well, let's dig into Merdor itself. What exactly is going on with this tool? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting tool. It's, you know, kind of a quite a powerful, it's a fully featured backdoor. As I said, we saw open news activity in 2020 and 2021, as well as in this activity. But what's interesting about it as well is despite the fact we do think it's been around since about 2018, that's kind of when the first sort of indications seems to be, it's been in development since then probably. But despite the fact it's been around for a good number of years, its use does seem to be very targeted. We've only seen it on a handful of networks and a very small number of machines over the years. So that's interesting. So that's kind of very prudent use of the tool and perhaps it indicates a desire by Lansify to kind of keep the tool and its activity under the radar. So the backdoor itself then, its functionality includes kind of, you know, it's fairly typical stuff. It's able to install itself as a service. So obviously that's to try and stay under the radar most likely. It can carry out key logging. It has various methods to allow it to communicate with its command and control server. Um, and it's able to listen on local ports for commands as well from its CNC server. So typically we see it injected into the legitimate processes perfhost.exe or svchost.exe. And it's made up of kind of three components, I suppose. There's a dropper and a loader as well as the backdoor. So the murder dropper, that's a self-extracting RAR file. And that then itself contains three files, a legitimate and signed binary that's vulnerable to DLL search order hijacking, which is a kind of a common technique we see APT groups using. We see the malicious loader, which is the murder loader, as well as an encrypted file that contains the final payload, which is the murder backdoor. So when open, then the dropper basically extracts these embedded files. It executes a legitimate binary then in order to load the murder murder loader. It's quite hard to say. Um, (laughs) And we did did also find... um, Various, uh, various variants of the murder dropper that abuse basically older versions of five different legitimate applications that are abused for the purposes of DLL side loading, essentially, to kind of get this malware onto victim machines. And how would someone find this on their system? Or what techniques are, there, are they using to, to install it? Yeah, so they seem to have they seem to use various different infection vectors. So the, we are entirely clear on the initial infection vector in the most recent activity. We have kind of indications of what some of them might have been in a couple of victims. Um, from its earlier campaign that it carried out in 2020, in that campaign it appeared that the group was using phishing, uh, phishing emails as the initial infection vector. So then in this more recent activity, we saw some indications in two victims that um, indicate what the um, what the initial infection vector may have been. So in one of the government sector victims, there were indications that the initial infection vector may have been SSH brute forcing. Um, mm. And then another fi- victim, we saw a file pass that indicated that a load balancer may have been exploited for access. So that pointed that to the fact that the initial infection vector may have been um, an exposed public-facing server, which is a very common um, infection vector used by attackers these days. Days two. So it, appear, it appears that the group, you know, basically has access to or is willing to use various different infection vectors in order to get on to victim machines, essentially. And now a word from our sponsor, Six Sense. 
Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. One of the things you, you dig into in the blog post here is some of the details of the ZX Shell rootkit. What what should we know about that? Yeah, so the ZX Shell rootkit has been around for you know a long time. I think it was first reported on by Cisco almost ten years ago, back in twenty fourteen. But the version of the tool, as I said, used by Landsflight is updated. So that's interesting. It indicates that it does continue to be actively developed. Um, by by Landsfly um, or potentially by other groups as well. Obviously, we're we're not sure when uh, that source code is publicly available, and often we do see groups, you know, sharing code and that kind of thing. But someone is certainly developing this tool. But this new version of the rootkit that Landsfly is using does appear to be smaller in size. It also has some additional functions, and um, it also targets additional antivirus software to disable, which is one of the functions of the rootkit that it disables antivirus software. And I suppose the various functionalities of this rootkit that Landsfly uses include key logging, providing remote access to victim machines. It's also able to spread laterally to other hosts in the network. And it's there as well, you know, the rootkit that sort of takes multiple steps to install itself quite stealthily onto victim machines, I would say. The rootkit's loader, it exports functions that can be used to drop payloads that match the host system's architecture. Um, it can read and execute shell code. It can kill processes and other things as well. Also of note was that the rootkit used uh, the installation and updating utility kind of shared some common code with the murder loader. So that there was some kind of shared code base there that kind of allowed this activity to be, I suppose, connected as well. And we also see its installation functionality supporting things like uh, like service creation, hijacking, compressing a copy of its own executable in order again to maybe evade detection or to, I suppose, um, achieve persistence on victim machines as well. So it has multiple functionalities, this rootkit. What does this say about the the sophistication and and I suppose even the the persistence, the patience of this threat group? Yeah, they definitely do seem to be a patient threat group because, I mean, a lot of the groups that we see that have um, access to custom tools and things like that, you know, we would see them deploying them, I suppose, more regularly or we'd see them using them in attacks fairly frequently. But it does seem that this threat group, um, Landsfly, seems to have a very you know, kind of specific focus. It seems to be, it seems to know, I suppose, the victims it's interested in and it's only really interested in deploying um, its tools onto those machines because it definitely is notable that Murder especially has been around for as long as it has been and it's been seen so infrequently, even though, you know, it's a powerful, fully functional backdoor. So you would think when they have access to it, they would uh, use it. But it just, it, they just seem to have a very specific focus, I think, this group. And, I think definitely a desire to stay potentially under the radar and keep this activity kind of low-key is one of the things driving this group as well. Well, based on the information you all have gathered here, what are your recommendations then for folks to best protect themselves? 
I think obviously the usual kind of caveats apply when it comes to doing the usual best security practices, I suppose, when it comes to protecting yourself from any of these attack mm. groups. But I think what's interesting with Landsfly as well is it may have those kind of potential links to other attack groups, as I said, like APT41 uh, and Budworm and also, who else did I say, Hidden Links. Mm. So I think that's notable as well for people listening is those kind of connections between all those different Chinese APT groups that there can be a lot of sharing of personnel. There can be a lot of sharing of, you know, tools as well. Like we did see with the ZX Rukit that Landsfly used was signed by a certificate uh, with the name We Made Entertainment Co. Limited. And that was previously reported as being associated with APT 41. But like that doesn't really conclusively say that those groups are necessarily connected because we do know that these kind of Chinese attack groups can share those kind of things amongst each other. And as I said, kind of shared personnel and that sort of thing. So I think one of the things to keep in mind with this landslide activity is while we've broken out landslide here as a new group, because as I said, those kind of links we saw with the other kind of attack groups weren't definitive. You know, it's certainly possible that landslide could be cooperating with other APT groups and kind of working alongside them and, you know, potentially that can lead to tool sharing as we've seen with um, other tools in the past, such as say PlugX and Shadowpad, which Landslide does also use in this activity, but they're shared tools now amongst other different attack groups. So I think it's just important to keep on on top of all these groups activity, on top of the new tools that they're using, like Murdor, like this um, developed ZX Rootkit, and just to watch out for any of the indicators on your system and make sure that like, there's an awareness that these attack groups are, I suppose, constantly working and developing tools and trying to take new steps to keep their uh, activity under the radar all the time. Our thanks to Bridget O'Gorman from Symantec for joining us. The research is titled Lancefly. Group uses custom backdoor to target orgs in government, aviation, and other sectors. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. 
This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Listener.